Hello, and welcome to the Curious One podcast. My name is Emma Krebs. I created this podcast to be able to have conversations that were lacking through my daily interactions, as I always felt the longing to dive deeper. This space is for meaningful conversations that I hope help to broaden my perspectives and maybe even yours as well. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Curious One podcast. Wow, it has been some time since I have been sitting here behind the microphone chatting with you all. At the time of this upload, I have taken a little break and a little step back from the podcast to realign with what direction I want this podcast to go and get clearer on what I hope for future growth with the Curious One podcast. So with that being said, I could not be more excited to be back behind the microphone, connecting with amazing individuals and having such meaningful conversations including the episode I'm about to share with you today. So as most of you know already, I do have a bit of an obsession with the tiny house movement as well as minimalism. And this episode is a bit of a combination of the two. I was super honored to sit down and chat with Adelina from My Big Tiny House Life, a tiny home dweller here in my hometown of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I really enjoyed this conversation with Adelina as her mindset is super inspirational. During our conversation, we chatted about some of the biggest challenges as she transitioned into tiny living, Adelina's relationship with minimalism, the challenges of living a lifestyle that don't fall within society's quote-unquote norm, some of the biggest lessons that she has learned after living in her home for over a year now. In order to build her home, Adelina partnered with a builder. Her builder is actually the guest of episode 10 of the Curious One podcast, Jennifer McCarthy, the owner of Teacup Tiny Homes. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't listened to it already, I highly recommend checking out episode 10 with Jennifer. One last thing before we dive into it. It is summertime here in Canada. And with that, the audio throughout this episode is filled with the beautiful singing of birds. If I'm honest, sometimes there's no way around these things. I hope you can see the beauty in the background music. As always, my friends, may you be inspired, may you be curious, and may you learn more about yourself as we learn about others. Enjoy. Welcome, Adelina, to the Curious One podcast. I'm super excited to chat with you today. Um, The reason I reached out to you specifically is because you actually are a tiny home dweller. Did you want to start out by just kind of explaining what the space that you live in is just just to kind of set the tone of the conversation absolutely and by the way thank you for inviting me i'm super excited to be here yeah i actually live in a tiny house on wheels i'm one of the i think i am the only but certainly one of the only legally parked tiny houses in calgary Um, and that was quite the feat to uh to get is to find a legal parking spot so my tiny house is um she's a little big in the tiny house sort of description uh it's 37 feet long and i actually went nine and a half feet wide i have a gooseneck trailer so like a fifth wheel trailer 
Um, and that was a very specific design, design decision because I did not want to crawl up into a loft for my bedroom. Um, I'm too old to crawl up into a loft for my bedroom. I want to be able to stand up and I wanted to be able to walk around my bed to make it. So she's just about 300 square feet or just over 300 square feet uh, on what I call the main floor. There is a loft above the kitchen that's um, about 80 square feet that I actually don't use right now but could be used for storage or a guest room and I am using air quotes there um, and it's awesome it's my home's name is serendipity and I've been living here for a year on July 8th and um, I absolutely love it awesome and you also have a which we will also get into but you have a YouTube channel and you just posted your house tour which I, I was just watching today and your house is beautiful and I'm glad you mentioned the name in it as well <laughs> yes thank you serendipity was uh, I mean I, I'm a big believer in serendipity uh, just in general I think that um, things always happen for a reason and just sometimes not when you want them to but always when they need to um, mm -hmm. yeah I finally did the tour it was long overdue it was much requested <laughs> long overdue so it's great so I want to start out with kind of the beginning. What inspired you to go tiny? Was small living something that always interested you or was it minimalism? Was it the mobility that you have with it? Um, kind of where did your journey begin moving into a tiny home? Yeah, all of the above, really. Um, I have always been fascinated with uh, efficiency, small spaces, um, and interior design to start with. I call myself a minimalist in training because I, I love the, the minimalist movement and the fact that, uh, you know, my, I don't want my stuff to own me. I only want to have the things that I are really useful or, or that really I really love in my life. And experiences mm -hmm. have always been more of a priority to me than things. Um, I'm a single parent. I have been since my boys were 10 and um, 4. They're now adults. And so I, I had a small space, a, a condo that was 1,100 square feet, townhouse, and that was way more room than I needed. <laughs> and it didn't take me long to realize that, especially once the kids had left home, that was way more room than I needed. Uh, and I just love the idea of being in a, a, a super functional but beautiful small space. Uh, the first time I saw a tiny house on wheels, a video on YouTube, I was absolutely hooked. I watched every video, read every blog, every article that I could find on the topic because it really intrigued me. The idea of, of living intentionally. So the, you know, the idea of being a minimalist, and, and having fewer things was important to me. Having the flexibility to um, uh, spend less money to live so that I could spend my money on experiences, perhaps working less, retiring early was also uh, important to me. Leaving a smaller footprint on the environment um, is also something that matters to me quite a bit. And when you live in such a small space, you're always very, very aware of what you're bringing into it and what you're buying. And, uh, and also the idea that it's something that not everybody does is certainly not for everybody. And 
I totally get that, though everybody could find a version of a tiny house that they that would work for them. Not everybody wants to, but I love mm-hmm. the idea of doing something different. And now that my, both my, my kids are grown and out of the house, it's mama's time to have some adventures. And this living in a tiny house, downsizing to this space and, and reducing my expenses now allows me to have those adventures. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love the reasons you listed. I think they're exactly why I am so fascinated in the tiny house movement and to me the main thing is the intentionality behind it and that's the same with minimalism to me I use the word intentional and minimalism kind of synergistically um and yeah it's just it's just amazing what we can create as humans and just how every little nook and cranny has been thought about every everything in your home I'm sure has a function and has a use and that is essential in your life or brings excess joy into your life so absolutely and that was that's the thing when you build a house this size you're not talking in square feet you're 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 thinking in square inches everything (laughs) has to serve a purpose Um, every space gets utilized it's really a lot of fun to design and and that's where the watching all the videos and seeing what other people have done was so interesting and so useful because people get so creative and uh and when you have a bigger space like i didn't have a huge townhouse but i managed to fill that sucker full Mm -hmm. with stuff and when i decided to go tiny and i started to downsize i was shocked appalled really embarrassed by how much garbage crap I had in my life that I never used that I just held on to and so it was terrifying and exhilarating and very cathartic to get rid of all that stuff and uh, you live with the worry you know in the back of your mind that oh well what if I need it I think maybe twice in the year I've been here have I thought oh I actually missed something that I got rid of but you know it's uh it, it, once you get started, it, it gets much easier. I played the minimalism challenge uh, where you, at the beginning of the month, you get rid of one thing. Set day two, you get rid of two things. Day three, you get rid of three things. And you either donate, give away, sell, or at the last resorts, you know, throw away things. And I did that multiple times in the year leading up to me moving in here. And I still had way more stuff than to get rid of than I thought I would when it came time to actually move. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. And I'm glad you mentioned the the minimalist. You're talking about um, oh, yes. Brian Nicodemus <laughs> and Joshua and, Fields Melbourne. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. yes. They're awesome. <laughs> they are. I, I love them. They've been so inspirational to me throughout my life and in my journey. So I'm really excited that you mentioned them. (laughs) Yeah, they were the ones that really got me thinking about intentional living. And Mm -hmm. I think so many of us, certainly me, uh, we go through life on autopilot thinking that that this is just the way it is, that you're supposed to just accumulate things and have just go bigger every time, go bigger and bigger and more and more. And uh, they really opened my eyes to the, the minimalism sort of, philosophy and for me minimalism isn't about owning 30 things that's awesome if people can do it but it's not about that it's about only having 
about being intentional about being intentional with what you bring into your space um, and into your world um, and also making sure that those are things that either you find like you say beautiful have sentimental value and or are super useful and it's not about getting rid of absolutely everything people think oh you have to get rid of absolutely everything well if you've seen my house tour you know that I have lots of stuff um, and I have lots of places to put it because I built in a lot of storage but I still have clothes and sentimental things and decorative things that that may not be useful per se but but I love so you know and I, you know, I have a pet, a cat, a very, my big tiny house cat. She's very big. Um, and hopefully a dog someday. So you still have stuff and pets and things like that. But the space is just, it's exactly what I wanted. It's exactly what I need. And believe it or not, some days I sit here and I think I have way more space than I need even here. Mm-hmm. What I love in your tour was that you have a Instant Pot, a Vitamix, <laughs> and an air fryer. I was like, yes! Like, <laughs> but also, too, <laughs> yes. But you're, you're saying, oh, I still have lots of stuff. But let's be honest. To the majority of people, especially living in North America, you are like gobsmacking to them. You know, they're, they're still going to be so surprised when they see how beautiful of a space you live in and how how creative you've been with the space so I say don't don't put yourself down like that (laughs) because you're inspirational just to me (laughs) I I I, I just I thank you I appreciate that but when I was building I knew that um you know I'm vegan so I use my Vitamix all the time to Mm. blend sauces and things like that and and I knew I knew I I use my instant pot regularly in fact I just finished making coconut rice in it because I'm making curry for dinner uh, and my air fryer and my Vitamix and and my Dutch oven when I bake bread and so I planned that into the design of the kitchen my builder knew exactly what I was bringing in because I made sure to tell her and so there was no um, there was no trying to retrofit buying room for things there was room built in the cupboard that those things are in was built so that it could hold them. It was tall enough and strong enough to hold them. And, you know, some of the things, the appliances I have on my countertop where they're on the countertop because they're beautiful and they make me happy. So my KitchenAid mixer and my, you know, my uh, toaster and my kettle, they're beautiful. So I leave them out, but it, none, none of it was an accident. But working with a builder, a designer, a build, my builder is actually an interior designer as well. And so she had a, she was able to really visualize what I, what I was talking about. And we worked so closely together. And I think that made a difference working with somebody who was as excited about my project as I was. It was just such a gift because it's the only house I'm ever going to build. It's not the only house she would ever build. And yet it felt like it was that important to her as well. So the whole process was just so much fun. Um, But I do think that having seen so many tiny houses before I built mine really allowed me to think about what I did and did not want, what I liked and what I didn't like in other people's designs. Or better, better way to say that is the things that 
wouldn't work for me that mm-hmm. somebody else did. Not that they did something wrong. It's just that my needs would, were different than their needs. And my priorities when I was building my tiny house, I had three priorities. And one was a great big kitchen because I'm Portuguese. I love to cook. I feed everybody, uh, especially my kids. And I needed a home office because I work from home. And I wanted a bedroom I could stand up in and walk over my bed to make it. And everything else in the in the tiny house, I was willing to compromise, make compromises on, so that I could fit those three priorities in. Um, so, and that's that's something that I tell people uh, because I get a lot of people reach out to me that are thinking about building and starting to to sort of plan out their design. And I always say you need to decide what your priorities are, your non-negotiables, and then work around that. And so I don't have a huge bathroom. I don't care because that wasn't a priority for me. The home office was. And that that helps a lot to sort of decide what your priorities are and then build your design around that. Did you build with Teacup Tiny Homes? I did, yes, with Jen. Oh, that must have been – because I don't know how I came across – I connected with you over social media and I'm not too sure how your page came across on my feed, but all of a sudden I just knew I was following you. And so I've actually chatted with Jennifer from Teacup Tiny Homes on a previous episode. So that's, oh, wow. that's a really cool connection there. <laughs> she's, she's incredible. And, you know, working with a builder who builds tiny houses, not just somebody who a conventional builder who's decided they're going to build a few tinies. There's so many things that are unique to tiny houses considerations that that have to be taken into account and when you work with somebody that that's what they do then you know that you're going to be taken care of that moisture is obviously a big concern in a small space whether it's an rv or a tiny house and so they know how to build for that to make sure that you know everything is taken care of um and she was Awesome. There are a lot of great builders out there. And I actually interviewed five builders before I chose mine. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And I think that's important, too, because I, again, this is the only house I'm building. Mm-hmm. And I want my builder to be as excited about it as I am. And I want to have a really good rapport so that um, I feel like I'm getting the house that I want. And there were a couple of builders that built that I talked to that built beautiful homes, but I just didn't make a connection. Uh, mm-hmm. with them and and I needed to have a, a connection and I will admit it's awesome to support a woman working in you know a, a traditionally man's world uh, and she's killing it and she's doing a fantastic mm-hmm. job and I if I can a, support a sister <laughs> I certainly <laughs> will and it worked out for everybody because she was the, she was the one I would have picked no matter what yeah She's she is such an inspiration, like even just as an individual. But when you talk to her about her business, she's just so passionate about it. You can just hear it in her voice. So I don't blame you. <laughs> she's, she's amazing. I want to kind of dive a bit deeper into your transition into living tiny, if you're fine going there. So you were living in a... Um, 
a townhome, you said. And what kind of ignited you to look around and say, okay, I'm going to make the leap and I am going to live in a tiny home and what those first steps looked like to transitioning into this lifestyle? Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, I, I was a single parent from when my kids were 10 and four and um, they're 27 and 21, turning 27 and 21 this year. Um, and what, you know, when I got divorced and we sold our house and I bought the townhouse, it was perfect for me for that period in my life. It was small, uh, but it was manageable. I could afford it. And it was our sanctuary for the next years, 17 years, 16 years before I moved in here. Um, but I, I always knew that when my kids were gone, that I wanted to be uh, mobile. I wanted to be able to move. I always wanted to uh, move to the island, to Vancouver Island or the interior of BC, but ultimately really I want to be on the island. And uh, it just, I just loved the idea. I, originally I was looking for condos in Victoria and I thought that when my youngest went to university and there was a good chance that uh, he was going to be going to UVic, that when he went to school, I would move to Victoria as well. Uh, and that, that started the, the thought about, okay, leaving here and moving somewhere else and starting a new phase in my life. But it was still owning property. It was still being tied to a mortgage and condo fees and potentially, you know, special assessments that you sometimes have when you have a condo. And I did not like that. I didn't like the idea of always having property taxes and always being, you know, working to pay those types of bills. So when I discovered tiny homes and to be honest, I don't remember the day that I did, uh, but it was probably about six years ago, the first time I saw my first tiny house on video or mm -hmm. blog, I'm not sure which. And it totally intrigued me. The idea of going that small and, and the ones I saw were really small. Uh, I thought to myself, I wonder if I could do that. Like, I wonder if that would even be practical. My kids are still at home, that's not gonna work. But it stayed in my mind. And then over the next few years, I started to go down that rabbit hole of, of learning more about them and watching more and more videos and, and saving those to, you know, because there was something about it, each one that I loved. And I realized that I could do it. There was no reason once my kids were out of the house that I had to be in Calgary. There was no reason I had to own property. And I more and more was beginning to feel trapped in that mortgage bills, property taxes, condo fees, cycle so yeah probably about three or three years ago four years ago I, I I started to talk about it I started to tell people I was going to build a tiny house because in my mind as soon as I started to talk about it as if it was something that was going to happen then it just was going to happen obviously if you say you're going to do it then you're going to do it right it became a reality in my mind when I started to talk about it as if it was an actual plan. And then I started to do something every week or every month that brought me closer to that. It was 
reading blogs, it was watching videos, it was uh, drawing out floor plans. As I got closer to deciding that I was going to actually do it, it was interviewing builders or traveling out. I, I interviewed a builder in Nelson, Nelson Tiny Homes. I went out there to see uh, some of his builds and meet him and he was awesome and that was, those were the sorts of things that I I started to do and every time I did that it became more and more real and so it just it was just sort of an inevitable thing that um, I really the the thought that I no longer wanted to own sticks and bricks land property I wanted to be able to take my home with me when I moved so I didn't have to start over every time I went somewhere but I didn't want to be tied down. I wanted to be free because I had spent my life being the responsible one, taking care of my family, taking care of my kids. And I knew that this phase of my life was going to be, the second half was going to be still caring for other people and obviously my responsibilities, but doing it on my terms. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, I can't, I can't say what started it. I think I always knew that I wasn't happy with the way life was as far as that, you know, I, I, wonderful friends, amazing kids, but that the, the cycle of constantly doing the same thing and, ha and feeling like I had to work because I had these bills that I had to pay um, was really starting to bother me. And so I decided that, um, yeah, you know, uh, there's no reason I can't do that. This, if I hate it, I'll just sell the place or rent it out and move back into a regular, quote unquote, regular home. But uh, yeah, I just decided this was this was for my dream, and uh, I had a lot of people tell me that I couldn't do it or it was weird and how was I going to do it? There was never, a, you know, any doubt in my mind I was going to do it. And the more people that told me I couldn't, the more absolutely certain I could, which is just how I work. So yeah, it, it, the, my kids have always been a huge supporter. They were super enthusiastic about the whole process. They are super proud of me and, and supportive and love the, the tiny house. Uh, and if I go away on holiday, they fight over who gets to stay and house it, which is <laughs> awesome. Um, and and yeah, that's that's kind of the story. I'm not sure if it's if that makes sense. No, I love it. I think it's a, a beautiful story and good for you for for doing it and pursuing it because, as you said, it is a bit outside of society's norms. And um, at the same time, not only that obstacle, but coming from like a child's perspective, I'm 22 now, um, and. Like my mother, my parents are separated and I've always lived with my mom, etc. But I could imagine that would be hard. And like we don't we don't have to go dive into this because I know it can be it can get personal. But taking almost the time for yourself and I don't like using this word, but it, it is kind of this the correct word, but being a bit selfish and coming into the point of your life where you've raised your children and they're adults now and they need to kind of take the reins themselves but taking time back for you because that's another thing too that I feel like society kind of pushes back against and so um 
I, th- I think your story is really beautiful and it's it's very inspirational I had a huge smile on my face as you told me that <laughs> I awesome. love that yeah, yeah you know I think of it as self-care and while it's wonderful to I mean once you once you become a parent you never come first ever again in the rest for the rest of your life my my kids will always always come first mm-hmm. but they even they realize that that they were off on their own and it was time for me to start to think about what did I want to do next? And they've been so excited for it, like all through the whole process. Even I wondered how they would feel about me selling the townhouse and them no longer having their their rooms to come back to, even though they didn't come home. They, they live in Calgary, so they didn't have to come home to visit um, and stay, but it was still their home. It's where we, you know, spent 16 years uh, and it was, and it was a difficult time at first because it was just the three of us and their world, our worlds were upside down when we first moved in. It became our sanctuary and the place where we laughed a lot and cried a bit and, and had these amazing memories. And I worried that they would uh, resent or be sad about that being gone. And surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, when I think of how amazing my kids are, that wasn't the case at all. They were nothing but enthusiastic and supportive and proud uh, of, of what I did. And in the back of my mind, I knew I was teaching them a lesson that uh, you can do anything if you want to do it. Because if you really want to do it, then there's nothing, no sacrifice, nothing too hard that you, you won't go through to make your dream happen. The only difference between, um, you know, a, a dream and a goal or is, is a plan. So a lot of people have dreams, but they never put a plan in place and they never take the, the steps and do the hard work and make the sacrifices that are required to, to actually make that a goal that they achieve. And there's nothing wrong with that. I was like that too. There's a lot of things in my life I've, I thought, oh, I, I wish I could do that, but not enough to do the work. But what I taught my my kids was that you just you have a dream, you make it your goal, you you do the work and, and take the steps that are required, no matter what, and then you achieve it. And anybody can do it because I'm not special. I'm just like everybody else. But I was determined that this dream was going to be a reality and it that never wavered there were times where i was frustrated terrified uh didn't know how things were going to have work out or how i was going to manage it but i never doubted it would come real i just sometimes doubted how i was going to or wondered how i was going to do it and would it happen in the time frame that i wanted but from start to finish, probably from when I first decided that this was something I wanted to do to the day that I brought her home, it's probably be, probably about five years. And I could have, okay. I could have, I could have, those five years were going to pass no matter what. So I could have not decided on, on, on it and made it a goal and started those steps and doing the work, even though it was slow, especially for the years 
the first few years because kids were still at home, so I couldn't do anything concrete, couldn't sell my place and start my build. Um, but I knew that that those five years were going to pass anyways, or years were going to pass. And so I could find myself five years down the road going, gee, I wish I had started five years ago. Or I could start, even though I didn't exactly know how it was going to finish, and just just start doing something every week, every month that moves me towards that goal, no matter how much, how small that something was. Sometimes it was big, like when I put my deposit down to start my design sometimes, or when I put my condo up for sale, and sometimes it was small, like I say, just saving a floor plan that I really loved, doing some research. But because I, I made it a goal and not just a dream, then that gave me a roadmap. And um, I think it's Henry Ford that says, you, you just take the first step. You don't need to know, you know, see the whole staircase. You just take the first step. And I'm always telling my kids, just do the next right thing. When you don't know what to do, big picture, just do the next right thing. Whatever that is for you that day. And you eventually get where you want to go, you will eventually get somewhere better if you just do the next right thing, take the next step. So I had that in my mind and, and yeah, I mean, the five years passed and here I am. I love it. I, even on a very, very minor scale in regards to me with my podcast, I actually feel yeah. the exact same way. So it's something I wanted to do well, I had been listening to podcasts for probably four years before I started one. And for an entire year, I was contemplating starting one and I was too scared. And then I remember I was just with my partner and we, he's just like, just, just buy a microphone and let's just see what happens. You know, it was just, it was the slow things. It was one day I just recorded something on my computer just to figure out how to use the microphone. Then I got a bit clearer on, okay, I'm actually going to try and record an episode. And it was like, my one goal was to just upload one episode of a podcast to iTunes. That was like mind boggling to me. And now I'm on episode, <laughs> I think 24 and <laughs> the editing and the uploading and the technology side of it. It's like a breeze to me, which at the beginning was my biggest obstacle. And so it, that was truly it. I just remember I, I broke it down and I was like, what do I need to do first? And yeah, you just, you just kind of build from there. So it, that's great. exactly, you're absolutely right. And it's awesome because when you think you can't do something, when something really scares you, that's exactly when you should do it. And yes, <laughs> you should just do it. And, and when I decided I was going to start the YouTube channel, and I decided I wanted to do it because I kept getting people reaching out to me, asking me questions. And I thought, well, I'm just, and, and when I did the research, there was no channel, no YouTube channel showing somebody living in a tiny house in Alberta and mm -hmm. or in Canada, actually. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, okay, well, people are asking these questions. I might as well put it in a video. Uh, and by the way, I hate the way I sound on on my answer machine on video i really really do but uh so i just accepted the fact i was going to hate the way i sounded that my videos were going to suck when the, when the, when i started but i just pressed 
record. And I just did it. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It wasn't so bad. Just like you with your podcast. You do it and you go, okay, well, that wasn't so bad. And I can only get better, right? Mm -hmm. 100%. So, yeah. So you just do it. And as long as you're enjoying it, and you obviously are, you're going to get better at it because you're going to want to learn more and you're going to get more comfortable doing it and all of those things just naturally come come to, into play it, it's just and i love it like i i love w making the videos um i've had viewers say to me it feels like i'm just having a conversation with a friend and that's exactly the way i approach it mm -hmm. I, I the editing is not professional it's not super polished it's just me having a coffee with a friend and a chat and if because I have that mindset, I don't I don't take it that seriously. This is just something that I'm doing to help people and to sort of record this time in my life. And and I decided I was going to do a video a week for a year and see how that went. And so that's what I've done. But it's you know you gotta have gotta have some fun with it too. And this was one way that I could you know, answer some questions, have some fun, you know, let, let my cat interrupt me a couple times in my videos and, uh, you know, and so that's what I do. And I, and I love it. Mm -hmm. it, it is true. I, I find there isn't as much information online, um, especially for living in a colder climate, specifically Canada, specifically mm -hmm. Alberta. You are one of the, the few people that I've, I've come across. And I'm in a lot of the Facebook groups. I'm following a lot of people. Living Tiny or the van life is something else I'm interested to um, on social media mm -hmm. and things like that. I love YouTube, so I'm fully there. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I, I, it's true, and I'm, I'm not just saying this. Like I, I wouldn't say it, but there isn't a channel like yours. And I think as well, like your lifestyle and everything like that, it's – it's a lot of like backpackery kind of things predominant in in the tiny house movement. I feel like sometimes, and so I really like that you you stand out from the rest in a positive way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I live a normal life. Yeah. So it, it and that's one of the things that I kind of wanted to show is that um, you don't have to be extreme. Mm -hmm. You don't you don't have to. <laughs> There's an episode of Portlandia where they go and rent a tiny house and it's hilarious because one's on the toilet and the other one's basically on top of them trying to eat their dinner or something like that because it's this super <laughs> tiny space and that's what people think about when they think tiny house but i just wanted to to show that this is just a normal house it just happens to be on a custom-built trailer but it and and half the size a quarter of the size an eighth of the size of, you know, maybe somebody else's house, but I live a normal life. I have all the things that everybody else does. There's nothing extreme about it. It's just different. And uh, that has been, I think, great for people to see. You're right. There's not, there's not, there's people living in tiny houses, absolutely. And in cold climates, but there's no channels for it. There was one and then she sold her house. And I don't know if she's going to build another house and, and maybe start making videos again. But, um, she, you know, there was, she had a channel for, for a while. There are not a lot of videos, but that was nice too. 
that I get a lot of people reaching out because they're building, they're in Canada, they're in cold, or, or in the U.S. where there's cold, in a cold climate, and they want to know what it's like to live in a tiny house. They want to know the considerations, the things they need to think about when they're building or designing their tiny house. And I can offer my experience. I'm not an expert. All I know is my experience, and that's just how I approach it. This is my experience. These are my opinions. This is my advice based on the things I did right and the things that I wish I had done differently. Uh, mm -hmm. So, but totally with you on the whole van life thing. And in fact, that's my next, my Ooh. next, <laughs> I've started, I've started the process of, of watching videos and saving videos and, and following on Instagram and YouTube van lifers, because my next dream is to to uh, I think I'm going with the Dodge Ram Promaster because they're wider wide enough for me to sleep widthwise versus mm -hmm. lengthwise, and uh, yeah, custom built van because I I'd like to be able to head to uh, I'm not quite ready to move the house to Victoria or to the island, but I'd like to be able to take off for three four months at a time, and go to a warmer space in the winter and be able to work because I work remotely from so I you know I'm thinking about how to build a van that would allow me to have that ability to work. And mm -hmm. that's my next dream. So I'm, I'm with you there. I'm totally obsessed about them as well. You go girl. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah. That is so yeah. cool. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, I, if I can live in this space and this seems big to me, yeah. I want to see just how small. Yes. I could, it, could I go and still feel like I have everything that I need just for fun. No, totally. I, that, and that's why um, I've been fascinated by the van life. Like to me, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm only 22. So to me, purchasing a home and things like that, it's not really in my foreseeable future or not something that is high on my list at this chapter in my life. So it's something I see more further in the future, like 10 years or something would be settling down in a tiny home. But just as you said, yeah. I'm fascinated by the van life movement because I want to see how small I can go until I'm comfortable. I'm kind of like that. I like to be extreme. Like even like my journey with minimalism, I, I don't know if you know much about my podcast or anything like that, but I went to Australia for two years and I just booked a one-way ticket and everything that I took with me fit into a carry-on. And I had that for like months and I just wanted to oh, see because it, it was kind of the same like if I need something I'm going to a first world country I can just purchase it when I'm there I had savings but I just wanted to see how minimal I could live and it was one of the most liberating times of my life I, I sometimes wish everything I own still fit in a carry-on bag but <laughs> I'm working on it <laughs> you know that's awesome that philosophy of it's not how much do I want it's how little do I need that's mm. that's it's just so opposite from yeah. from our society and there's nothing wrong with stuff and there's nothing wrong with, with buying things and having a big house and a lot of stuff at all that 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 everybody should do them what what mm -hmm. makes sense for them but for me I love that philosophy somebody said that to me one time it's not how much I want it's how little do I need and I I felt like I had a little aneurysm in my brain. I just went, wow, <laughs> that is amazing. And uh, and that's so true. Like, how cool is it to design a space that where everything does at least two things? 
where everything is there, but it's just it's so cleverly done. It's and it's the same with designing a tiny house. You're always thinking, and like I said, square inches. Oh, what could we do here? Could we add there? Uh, there's some things in here that my builder suggested that I wouldn't have suggested that I love, like my little bookcase. Uh, there's this things that that I suggested that I put into the build that she'd never done before, like a home office space and the way the closet is above the bathroom. They, there's just some things that working together we, we sort of came up with and and now she'll put into other bills and now my floor plan is on her website as one of her one of the floor plans offered and I'm thrilled by that because somebody else should take the basic floor plan and then customize it for exactly what they need. Mm -hmm. Can I ask what some of the biggest challenges were when you started to pare down the items in your life or some of the hardest things maybe were to let go of? The biggest hurdle I had, and I think this is probably very common, was the fear that I was going to get rid of something that I would then regret having gotten rid of. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I started that process, I agonized over everything. And then after a while, it's just like, I don't have time to agonize over everything. I got to get this done, right? So because I had sold my place. So I, I, I had already started downsizing for for the, the five years leading up to it. I That was one of the things I could do. I could start to get just clear out stuff I wasn't using. But, you know, when you look in your linen closet and you have six sets of queen size sheets for one bed, and you still have twin size sheets for beds that are no longer, you're no longer going to have. And you have towels that like I had a full linen closet. I needed to pare that down to two sets of sheets and three sets of towels in case I had a guest. And, and so you eventually very quickly realize you don't have time to agonize over everything. So that the, the fear of getting rid of something that I might regret getting rid of was probably the number one, getting rid of the sentimental things, uh like the things you've collected over time was was a bit of a challenge like artwork things that that i was that were investments i ended up i kept one piece i two pieces actually and you know my son's got some things i donated a lot of things a lot of things to a friend of mine who has a thrift store that supports animal um charities so the alice sanctuary and oh, the Meow no foundation arcs yeah so so and i loved that so i was i was i gave she got a lot of clothes and housewares and stuff like that she had also just separated from her husband so i gave her a lot of my furniture like my my bed and couch and coffee table and so many things big things like that um i did sell a couple of things i had a, a vintage diner style table and chairs that I just absolutely loved. That was, that was, if I had to say, was there anything that, that hurt getting rid of? That was probably it. I loved that set. It was, I found the table in a church basement uh, sale that, and it was, it was a vintage table. And then I had bought replica chairs that looked that were for the era and each one was a different color. So I had a pink one, a yellow one, a red one, and a blue one. And I just loved that set. And I could not fit it in here. In fact, I couldn't bring any of my furniture in here. So 
you know, it, but it went to a good home. It went to a, a young lady who loved, you know, that era. And she sent me a picture of it in her kitchen, which was Oh, awesome. I love that. And, and she had all of the vintage stuff. So, uh, so that was the, the, the challenge of getting rid of your stuff is, is hard at first. And then you, it's like a, the ball rolling down the hill. And once you pick up momentum, it's like, okay, yeah, get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. Um, and you know, I gave, I donated a lot of things, a lot of things to either my friend's, uh, uh, thrift store or to, uh, the, the, the Valley village or different, different places like that to the women's shelter. Um, and it was that, that felt good. I could have sold more, but I didn't feel comfortable as a woman to, you know, having people come over to the house to look at things. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that to me, I would rather donate those things and or give them away. And so that's what I did. The kids got obviously whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the challenge of getting rid of your things, like I, I had 1100 square feet and I had a, an oversized single garage. I had camping gear. I had so much stuff, Christmas stuff. So it was a process. And even right down to the very end when, you know, the, the new owners were taking possession and the weekend before <laughs> I rented a cube tr- truck so that we could pack it full, literally full to drive to the charity shop to drop stuff off. Oh my goodness. Cause it's that much stuff in the house that I thought I was doing. Okay. But when you know, you can't bring it in here, then y- you have to make the decision. I do have a bin in my shed. That's got my, my photo albums in it and some things from when the kids were little and, you know, their favorite books that hopefully I'll get to read to my grandkids someday, things like that. But, mm-hmm. uh, so, you, you know, I did keep some sentimental things, but you get, you get on a roll. That was, I, so like I say, I probably got rid of at least two thirds of my things. Um, and then I rented a small storage unit at a, a storage facility close to where I'm parked now for the rest of those things. And I stayed with a friend of mine in her basement for almost three months as I finished my build because I, I needed the, the funds from selling my place to finish the build. And so that was, that worked out perfectly. So I only took my clothes to, to that place. And when the house got delivered and it came time to go and get that stuff and move it in here, I almost cried because mm-hmm. as I'm bringing those boxes in here, I'm thinking, what am I doing? There's so much stuff. Like, why did I pack this stuff? So of that, one, you know, third that I stored in that storage unit, probably um, at least a quarter, maybe closer to half of that didn't actually stay in this house. It either never came in, it just went, never got unpacked, it just got donated, or it came in and then turned around and left because I just didn't want to cram this place full. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I still... There's a, I have a video on cleaning out my storage steps because that was the place I shoved stuff when I didn't know what to do with it. And then it just got to be too much to be looking at that going, I have stuff in there I don't need. I've been here almost a year. I have not even looked at it. So it, you, you shock yourself at, at how attached you are to those things. And then once you get rid of them, how you don't miss them. Mm-hmm. And it just, I, when I brought those boxes into this house, I felt the weight of my stuff again, and I hadn't felt the weight of stuff.
for, for those months that I had had it in storage. And that, that was a feeling I didn't want back. Mm-hmm. I always like the saying that the minimalists say, um, I'm, I'm not going to get it word for word, but the memories are like in the memories. They're not in the things. Whereas we yeah. sometimes mistake that and we think, oh, if you let go of the item, you're letting go of the memory or the connection that you have with that individual or that experience. That's something yeah. that I've I've tried to remember throughout my journey. But it would be different I've, if I had children and, and such, for sure. Well, and you don't, you, and this is what I tell people that, that, that ask that question, you don't have to get rid of it. If it's mm-hmm. that important to you, then you just, you make sure you, you plan for it in your design. So you don't have to get rid of anything. If you just, you just have to decide, okay, where am I going to put it in this house? And not everything will fit in here. So depending on the size of the thing, something else might have to go. But if it's a priority to you, absolutely bring it in. But they also, the minimalists also have an expression that I use all the time. Uh, And I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to get it right either. It's 20 minutes for 20 bucks. Oh, yeah. When they're talking about downsizing. And it's Mm -hmm. so true. It's so true. You know, the couple of times that I thought, oh, I really should should have kept that. Uh, yeah, within 20 minutes, under $20, you can go down to the local thrift store and or buy it new, but usually at the local thrift store and find it and replace it if you really, really missed it. Most mm-hmm. of the time, just find something else that will do the job just as well and you're fine. But that 20 minutes, $20, it gives you a lot of peace of mind. So now you've lived in your home for a year, is that correct? Or just over a year? Yeah, July 8th. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Happy Thank birthday you. to Serendipity. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I want to ask, um, now that you've lived in your tiny home for over a year now, what has been one of the biggest takeaways lessons or like surprises that you have had after living in there for a year I know that's kind of a a multiple part question yeah uh, I think the biggest surprise was um how big this place feels how how it really does and I I get that people will think that's weird but not having lived here for that length of time I it feels big to me it really does feel big to me. And, and I'm not, I'm not kidding. <clears throat> Excuse me. When I say that sometimes I think I have way more room than I need. Um, and so that's been a big surprise. People's reactions to me going, moving to a tiny house was a surprise. Um, the, some people's concern and, and some people, the, my friends, the people who love me, if they were concerned, it was because they, they worried for me. They worried that I would be making a mistake. Mostly before I found my parking spot, they worried, where would I park? Um, that sort of thing. But, uh, other people just, I don't know how to say it, but for some people seeing somebody actually make their dream a reality reminds them that they haven't, or they don't have dreams. Mm. Um, and and so there's there's a weird sort of dynamic there and then these weren't close friends these were people that were friends acquaintances things like that um 
but if, but and, and everyone who mattered uh, was supportive, especially once they saw it, saw the house and saw me in it. Um, yeah, the I think the biggest surprise to me was how big it feels and how easy, how quickly it became home. Mm. Just it became it's it became so normal, so just home. It it's all I can say. It's just where I live. It's it's nothing unusual about it. It just is my home, and and that happened so fast. And I think it's because I had spent so long thinking about it, planning it out, so that it was exactly what I wanted. Um, so I there's some things that I would maybe do differently, and I've got a video um, that for this weekend on the things that that maybe I. I quote unquote don't like, and it's really like minor things that I would maybe do differently, but nothing major. It, mm. it just feels like home. It, it feels big. Um, and that was very quick. Like that was a, within a couple of months, you forget that it's not just a house. I mean, it is just a house, but you forget it's not like a normal house on a foundation. It's just, yeah, that's, you know, and, and you do also attract a lot of attention. You end up meeting a lot of people and uh, because people are curious and super friendly and it's just been awesome. Like I have had the opportunity to, to meet people and to have discussions that I wouldn't have otherwise. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm really grateful for that. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel about this podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So many synergies, ironically. No, I'm kidding. But yes. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's, very, it's very similar. It's very similar. You're, but two totally different things, which I think is so cool, you know? <laughs> well, somebody called me an outlier once, and I'm not sure if, that, if that's appropriate. I don't. But uh, I, like the, I like the idea, and that's exactly what you've done. You know, you, mm -hmm. you, when you do something that's different and, and uh, a scary because it's so different and you you stop caring about what other people think about the choices you're making in your life right you just you know this is what you want to do you do it you're, you're an adult now right you can do whatever you want um it's it's terrifying and exhilarating and very satisfying and uh people might think you're a little weird but in a you know, deep down inside, you kind of like that, right? Like, I'm tired of being normal. Yep. <laughs> right? and, and you don't have to be normal. You're just at the beginning. So you can just be whatever you want and and do it. Just do it. And if you don't like it, then you stop doing it. Yeah. Just because, you know, you go tidy or start a podcast or do whatever doesn't mean you're now, you know, committed to that for the rest of your life. If you don't like it, then you stop doing it. It's not mm -hmm. a failure. You tried it. If you, if it didn't work out, so what? Mm -hmm. As long as you're having fun while you're doing it. Totally. My father yeah. always, like, I always have my father's head in the back of my mind when <laughs> I'm thinking about if, it, like, making certain decisions. He always says to me whenever I'm like, oh, dad, should I go on this trip? Should I start this podcast or should I take this job? He always goes, you'll always wonder, you know, and it's so true. I always think like, if, if I don't do it, yeah. I'll always wonder. And as you said, like, oh, you, you can always go back. That is the best. My gosh. Very wise man. That is the best thing you <laughs> could say to somebody, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Because time is going to pass. If 
you don't do it, then you'll always wonder what you would be doing now if you had started back then or how it would have turned out. Uh, they, I've never learned anything valuable from my successes, but I have learned incredible things from my failures. Mm. And that's the way I, 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 I think of life, right? Mm -hmm. It's you, you try, you succeed, then you find the next thing, but you, which is why the bad thing is so exciting for me because I need the next thing. But I've tried things in my life that have not worked out and man, have I learned a lot from those things. I don't remember a lot of the things that went right, but I remember most of the things that went wrong. And that's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's living. Mm -hmm. That is life right there. That's how you know you're living is mm -hmm. when you're trying things and failing and succeeding. That's, but if you never try, then you're, you're just existing. And my gosh, that would be boring. Life is too long to just exist. <laughs> Oh, I like that. Your dad's a very, very wise man. Yeah. Yeah. People say life's too short. I, I disagree. I think life's too long not to be doing something that's interesting and, and challenging because you, God, the, like the days just will drag by. And certainly they have in my life when I was doing the things I had to do when I was raising my kids and, and putting them first and doing everything I needed to do. And I wouldn't give it that first second. There was never any doubt in my mind that that's exactly where I needed to be. Um, but now, now I get to have some fun parts. Now it's like I say, mama's turn. Mm -hmm. And my biggest cheerleaders are those two kids who are old enough now to fully understand the sacrifices that were made in order to raise them and, and, and to, to make them feel safe and secure and, and, healthy and and brave enough to go out into the world when you have enough perspective like my my younger kid is is your age you now have perspective to to look back and realize your parents are just human that they're not perfect they make mistakes that they struggle and sacrifice uh, and that is and so now they both have that that perspective and they're like yeah go for it man and we can't wait to see what happens next Mm -hmm. which is great there is one thing I do want to ask you before though because when I was telling people what this episode was about like just talking to my like family and friends mm -hmm. like oh I'm recording a podcast today I was telling them I'm interviewing someone that lives in a tiny home I'll be honest um everyone was like where does she park it because I know that's a bit difficult and, and you don't need to go into details of like where you live. But even at the beginning, you mentioned that you're one of like the first few people to be legally parked in Calgary. Was that correct? Yeah, that's a great yeah. question. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is a great question um, because municipalities, while they are getting better um, because prices of houses, housing is so is, are so high and in a lot of cities, uh, I mean, there's just no way people can afford it, especially younger people. But um, I, that was the biggest concern that, that my best friends had for me. Where were you going to park this thing? And, and I knew it would be a challenge. I honestly thought I would be, you know, in some farmer's field somewhere outside of city limits, living off grid, because I didn't know, I didn't think that Calgary would allow a tiny house on wheels. Now, my understanding is that I'm the first legally parked tiny house on wheels, and that on wheels is important. Um, there is another house, and and I it, this could be out of date information. There might be multiple by now, but there was 
the city had given special permission for another tiny house under 400 square feet uh, because that's sort of the, the minimum house size because they need to have a certain amount of windows for wall size and certain amount, a number of square feet per room. Um, it's, they had, they'd given special permission to have one built on a foundation, but the, the big sort of um, sticking point seems to be for municipalities seems to be the on wheels part because the city wants to be able to tax you, right? They want to be able to get, and the, the utilities want to be able to count on you paying your bills. And so if you're on wheels, you could technically pick up and drive away in the middle of the night, right? <laughs> now, I have a Toyota Echo. I could barely pull a bike around. <laughs> so I'm not pulling this sucker, but in theory, you could. Um, and so they also, there's a lot of pushback as well because a lot of tiny houses in the past were self-built and weren't safe. And, and, and I get it, right? They weren't built to any kind of code. They weren't being inspected. There was always the concern about them, you know, being fire hazards or, or that sort of thing. So um, finding a place to park was always going to be the difficult part. I'm actually parked in a mobile home park. And the, the, the trick here is you're building on a trailer. So the trailer has a VIN number, just like your car does vehicle identification number so you have to register your trailer when you when, when you order it as something it can either be registered as a rv an rv a park model or a mobile home and a park model is basically a bigger rv it's slightly different than an rv it's not meant to be drive, dri driven around like an rv it's meant to be moved somewhere and parked but it's different than a mobile home as well in the construction and the size and how the wheels are um, so you have to register your house as something. Now, I knew that in Alberta, you are not allowed to live in an RV year-round. In BC, you can, and in other parts of the, in Quebec, I believe you can. There's other parts of, of the country that you can, and, and parts in the U.S. that you can, but not in Alberta. So I could not, and I, I'm always saying you have to make, give yourself the most options. So if I wanted to give myself the most options and where I was going to, park I knew I couldn't register the trailers in RV and I didn't want to register as a mobile home because it didn't fit that category very well so I registered the trailer as a park model um, and the mobile home park that I'm parked in has a park model in it most of the trailers are obviously mobile homes but so that allowed me they because they already had one uh, they could say yes to mine and it wasn't an RV so that wasn't an automatic no but I did wonder about the gooseneck style because obviously mobile homes and park models are built like trailers, square rectangles. They don't have that gooseneck part. And I wondered if that would be the sticking point. So I was very careful when I approached them. But but I knew from the research that I'd done that they already had one here. Um, and also, I used a professional builder who is CSA certified and RVIA certified. Uh, which means that they have spent the money and the time to, to get themselves certified and they build a code and at every step it is being inspected. So when the electrical was wire, wired in, before it was covered up, inspect, it was inspected. When the plumbing was done, it was inspected. All of those things, the heating, were inspected. 
and so everything has a CSA certified sticker on it the trailer the furnace the everything and that was important because the park would not have accepted me if uh, I had been registered the, the trailer had been registered as an RV and they would not have accepted me if I had not used a CSA certified builder so those two things allowed them to say yes and i wanted to make it really easy for for wherever i wanted to park for them to say yes when i approached the the office here uh, i came with my blueprints with an engineer stamp on them and i came with uh, pictures that showed a house uh, you know a similar style with the goose next so they could visualize what that would look like I also came with printouts for my builder's website that showed the certification. And uh, I left that with them so that she could then talk to the head office in Vancouver because this company owns multiple uh, mobile home parks across Canada. And again, I wanted to make sure they, they knew that the trailer was registered that way, that the builder was certified, and this is what the blueprints look like. And here's an engineer stamp, so these are professionally done blueprints professionally built house and here's what it'll look like and it's beautiful like I just wanted to see how beautiful them to see how beautiful these homes can be um, and w two days later I got a call from the manager here saying like she had talked to the, the property manager in Vancouver and they were thrilled they couldn't wait to have me oh. that they, they were kind of hoping it would class up the joint <laughs> <laughs> and, and and so again you make it easy for them to say yes by by doing your research and and giving yourself okay. as many options as possible exactly mm -hmm. exactly anticipate and, mm -hmm. and 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 give them all the information and and give them the visual like i wanted them to be excited about this mm -hmm. and uh, yeah so it worked out really well um i to be honest with you i never doubted i would find a parking spot I don't know. Uh, maybe that was naive, but I believe that, you know, it, that was just my intention that I would find a parking spot. I had absolute confidence that I would find a parking spot, whether it was inside the city limits or outside. Uh, that was that was just going to happen. It did make my best friend sleep at night when I found my parking spot. <laughs> she was so worried about where I would be. Uh, and, and it's worked out perfectly. It, this is a beautiful spot. And uh, it looks like the house has always been here. There's, they put sod in front, so there's a nice little lawn, and uh, I have my house screwed in with the front step. And she looks like she belongs here, which is great. That's awesome. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, because I've, I've always wondered, and um, especially more specifically to like like where I live, right? Because everything I see online is, is like California or, or things like that. So it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And you see these videos where somebody's built their tiny house for $20,000 themselves, which is mm -hmm. awesome. First of all, that's US dollars. Mm -hmm. And they're obviously quite a bit smaller and they were self-built. So they're not factoring in their time. And uh, they've also used, often they use a lot of reclaimed materials, which you can't do when you use a professional builder. Because if she's building to code, if they're building to code, they, they they can't put in reclaimed windows. And I wanted, I found this beautiful old door, wooden door that I wanted, and and she couldn't put it on. She's like she said, you can put it on after if you want, but I can't 
put it on because it's not fire rated. It's not, it doesn't pass code. So mm. that was, those are all things that people don't think about when they see these videos. Yeah. And you no, know, they think, well, wow, that's an, ex that was expensive. First of all, it's the only house a home I own. And it, she's, she's that extra foot wider meant that the trailer had to be custom built to be wider and she, it's longer and it's a gooseneck, which is more expensive. And I have, um, lots of cabinets and they're all custom cabinetry. Uh, I didn't, I wanted it to be, this wasn't, I mean, it's not lavish, but I wasn't going to skimp out on things that mattered, uh, because it's the only house I own. It's not a vacation property. And so to me, it's my home. It's still a fraction of what it would cost to buy a tiny little house in Calgary. And I get to take it with me wherever I go. So it's That's awesome. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the cities are getting better because more and more people are building them and wanting them to change their, their rules. And so they are. There are communities, uh, towns and municipalities that are starting to allow tiny house villages. Um, they're usually on foundations, though. It's still the trailer part that, that seems to be the sticking point. But in BC, and uh, there's tiny house villages. There's In Quebec, there's a permanent full-time tiny house village. Um, so they're starting to come around more and more. They're starting to uh, loosen up the, the, the rules. It really depends on the municipality. And, and so what happens here will be different than what happens in Edmonton, that what happens in Lethbridge or what happens in, you know, Bright Creek or Okotoks or whatever, wherever you are. You just have to approach each municipality when you're looking for your spot, but come prepared, have all the answers, know your stuff. So when they ask you a question, you know what what's happening with your house, what the utilities are, how it was built. So they have confidence that what you're talking about is something that's well-built and safe because safety is their biggest thing. I'm not too sure if you've listened to previous episodes, but we've also talked a lot about The Minimalists, and this was a huge inspiration behind this segment of my podcast. But I have a lightning round, which entails three questions that I ask every guest. And in their episode, they are to be summed up within 140 characters, their answers. But mine, you can you can unpack the answer if you'd like a little bit further. But yeah, so it's three questions that I would love to ask you and see what kind of comes off the top of your head. Would you be up for the challenge? Absolutely. Shoot. Okay, cool. The first question of the lightning round is how do you define success? Uh, success to me is uh, having really good relationships with people that I love. Mm, I agree. That's a huge, huge point for me as well mm -hmm. okay the second question is if you were to be given 10 million dollars tomorrow what would you do with it oh yeah that's I mean aside from giving a little to each one of my kids um I would probably most of it would probably go to animal charities Ooh. um sanctuary animal sanctuaries and charities uh that would be uh that's something that I think is I'm an animal lover and uh, I, I, that would easily be, I keep a little for myself and I'd move my tiny house 
to the island to buy a little piece of land. I know I said I didn't want land, but uh, I've always thought that down the road, a little piece of land with a view of the ocean where I could mm -hmm. park serendipity, build a couple more tiny houses as uh, Airbnb rentals and or, uh, you know, places for my kids to stay when they visited kids and friends. And then the rest, I would definitely, uh, I definitely want to do something important and valuable. So uh, start a foundation that uh, donated money to important causes that involved probably the environment and animals. Those are the two areas that I really am passionate about. That's awesome. That's beautiful. The final question of the lightning round is what is one thing that you're grateful for today? Oh, well, I'm grateful for having this conversation because that means, that means that I've just met somebody who is amazing and passionate and doing something really interesting and exciting. And, uh, I can, you know, to me, every time I have the opportunity to meet somebody and, and make a connection, I'm eternally grateful. And in particular right now, during this bizarre time in our world, any, you know, being able to make connection with somebody new is even more is something to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And as I keep saying, like the, that was the foundation of, of the creation of this podcast. So that's, to mm -hmm. me, it's just synergy too. you saying that, like, I was meant to do this. We were meant to have this conversation. So it was serendipity. Absolutely. Am I right? There are no accidents. <laughs> exactly. 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 And the, the, the best part is that watching somebody else do something interesting and amazing and succeed is wonderful to see. And, and we should be supporting each other. Like mm -hmm. somebody else succeeding takes nothing away from me. And it takes no effort at all to be excited for somebody else. Um, and too many people go through life in competition with other people. And I absolutely refuse to do that. Uh, we, we all can do interesting things and we can all succeed and we should all support each other. And, you know, I love, I love supporting other women. I agree. I, yeah. So I'm glad you said that. <laughs> yeah. We need less normal and more, uh, more different and we need more, more loved like uh, i don't i'm not a superstitious person but i but karma is real it's 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 a thing that that drives the universe and so you always need to be remembering to put out good and um, then everything else just takes care of itself mm-hmm I love it. I love it so much. If people have resonated with you, they want to check out your home, they want to get in contact with you, ask you questions, um, view your content, where can you be found or how can they connect with you? Awesome. Yeah. So my YouTube channel is My Big Tiny House Life. And I also have an Instagram uh, account at My Big Tiny House Life. And they can message me through the Instagram account. Is probably the, the best way you can also you know comment on the videos but the best way if you have if anybody has questions um, that that hopefully I can answer or at least help with then messaging me through Instagram is the best way to go well thank you thank you so so much for your time today it's truly been a pleasure you are such an inspirational woman so thank you for taking the time to, to connect with me today Oh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity. It was awesome to meet you. 
I want to take this moment to thank Adelina one more time for coming on the Curious One podcast and sharing her story. Cal Newport has been an individual I have been following for some time now. He has many great books, including Digital Minimalism and Deep Work. I thought I would share a quote from Digital Minimalism that I thought would work well with this conversation. Minimalists don't mind missing out on small things. What worries them much more is diminishing the large things they already know for sure make a good life good. As always, if you gain value from this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you could share this episode with one friend you think would benefit from this conversation. If you would like to further this conversation and get in touch, visit my Instagram at the Curious One Podcast. For more information, resources, and show notes, please head to thecuriousonepodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, be well.